Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. In the skilled hands of a potter, clay takes a remarkable transformation. It is a humble substance, unassuming and formless. Yet in the hands of the potter, it becomes a medium of incredible potential. With each touch, the potter breathes life into the clay, coaxing it into shapes and forms that were previously unimaginable. The potter's hands possess a unique understanding of the clay. They have a profound sense of touch, able to discern its resilience and responsiveness. With patience and precision, the potter begins to shape the clay, molding it into vessels of beauty and functionality. There is an artistry in this process, a dance between the potter and the clay. With each stroke and twist, the potter guides the clay, bringing forth its hidden possibilities. The clay yields to the potter's touch, trusting in the vision and expertise that resides within those hands. But the journey of clay in the potter's hands is not without challenges. There are moments of pressure and stretching as the potter seeks to refine and strengthen the clay. In these moments, the clay may resist. Yet it is in these trials the true character emerges as imperfections are smothered away and the clay becomes resilient. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit and interactions we encounter that we are formed. Like clay, we must be pliable and open, willing to yield to the hands of the great potter. Life's challenges, though daunting, are opportunities for growth. The pressures and stretches we endure shape our character and strengthen our spirit. Just as the potter refines the clay, so too does adversity refine us, chiseling away our rough edges and revealing the true essence God intended for us. The great potter has crafted us with intention, imparting us with unique talents and gifts. It is our responsibility to embrace the shaping process, to trust in the wisdom of the potter's hands. So let us be clay in the potter's hands, yielding and open to transformation. Let us trust in the artistry of the potter, knowing that through his touch, we can become vessels of beauty and significance. And as we embrace this process, may we inspire others to recognize the joy that is in surrendering to the hands of the divine potter. Do you believe that's true? We're going to be uh, in a series right now where we're taking a look at not just um, the divine potter's work in our life, but the fact that that activity is often unseen. It is mostly unseen, an unseen hand that is at work in our life. I want to uh, start at the very beginning, just a couple of days, our first week at Corbin. Are you guys thankful so far for the worship and the time that you're having here? There are uh, two things that I want to make sure we hit at the very beginning of this. Uh, This is a family-friendly service. That means, hopefully, the pastors leading will make some room in their illustrations and in their timing uh, for little minds to be able to have short attention spans and to wiggle around. Hopefully, some stuff that will draw their attention for even a moment and be able to uh, help them learn along with you. If your kid in this process gets wiggly, colors on the person's next to you Bible, 
uh, enjoys a little too much of uh, their sister or brother's candy or crackers, that is okay. That's what they're built for. Amen? So if somebody else's little one is just having a good time, they're enjoying it, or they're a little bit noisy, will you make sure that they feel welcome as a family member? Will you guys do that, Salem Hiders? This is a season of change, and we need to make sure that we're uh, available for uh, our families. Also, we have some folks, I am confident, that uh, are watching online. We had quite a few that actually told us, I'm not going to be able to make it up there uh, to Corbin. Still love you. I'm going to watch online. We just want you to know we also love you. If you have to watch from home, we're going to encourage you to make sure that you're watching with some other people, that you're interacting about the sermon, that you're applying those things to your life. Do not leave fellowship behind just because there might be a hardship involved with coming up here. But we do want to welcome you. I do want you to know if you're not here right now and uh, you're watching this uh, online, the people here are really amazing. <laughs> All right? You're going to want to just find some way to get dropped off here at Corbin and be a part of this week after week. So with that said, the unseen hand. We are on a time limit. We're going to blast through some points here. But this is our intention with this series. We're seeking to take a look at specific moments in biblical history. And as we look at those moments, uh, we want to investigate God's calling, shaping, and timing in the lives of believers. We're not just looking at how he did that in the past, but our intention is to find some principles that still apply for us today. The emphasis all the way through scripture is not you and I, the emphasis is God. We have a good God, a glorious God. It's not about great men, it's about a great God, amen? amen. So we wanna see how a great God shapes the people that follow him. It is not perfect lives that we're gonna be looking at. A perfect God will work in imperfect men and will do amazing things. But here's the key. Every single one of us cannot be the hero of the story in this room. Are you aware of that? If every single person in here is the hero of the story, uh, nobody's a hero, right? There's one hero. It's God. And he's going to do amazing things in your life. That's just a fact. But it's because you yield to him like we saw here. Yield to the potter's hand not because you're amazing, it's because he's amazing. In every generation, God's unseen hand is working all things together for our good, but to his glory. That's gonna be our point. Now, we're gonna to try to do this in a way that our families can wrap their minds around, but I think one of the things we have to have central every single time is the word of God. So we're still gonna stand and read this together if you can. Stand with me. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11. And if your kids are settled, you can stay seated with them as well. And uh, Genesis chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says this. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. Underline this sentence. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in a land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise, for he was looking forward to that city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I want you to see this call. Genesis chapter 12, the world is broken. In chapter 11, everything is a mess. God comes to one man and he says this. The Lord says to Abram, Go from your land, from your relatives, and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Get that last sentence. Abraham was 75 years when he responded to the Lord and moved forward. Do you believe that's true? You may be seated. A couple of thoughts for us this morning as we uh, kick off this series and as we spend some time here. I believe uh, that this series and, and Abraham's life in particular have much to say to us as Salem Hiders today. The first thing I want you to notice just in this passage, the first observation is this. God's will is not a mystery, but his ways are. God's will is not a mystery, but his ways are. Um, it's really important when you are going through the New Testament that you take some time and investigate what passages does the New Testament look back to and say were significant? It's important to see what the New Testament quotes. But it is also very significant for us to, to take a moment and see when the New Testament gives commentary to what the Old Testament said happened. In this passage right here, it says that by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. We saw that in chapter 12 of Genesis. He was told, I want you to go to this land, and Abraham went in that direction. But the next sentence is commentary on what had happened. It causes you to go back and look, because this isn't coming as a direct quote from the Old Testament. It's an observation of Abraham's life. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. Well, but didn't God tell him, this is what I want to do in your life? Yeah, generally. I want you to go towards Canaan. I want you to go towards this lo location. If I was to tell you right now, this is God's will, I want you to go move to uh, South Dakota. I was talking with the three or four people in here. They were all like, who even lives in South Dakota? Could you find a city in South Dakota? You might be able to say, hey, it's God's will for me to move there, but you'd be circling around trying to find some place that you could settle down. And at this time of year, you wouldn't be able to find it. It's all frozen. You'd notice the general direction, but he was completely dependent on God. When we think Abraham was told directly what God's will is, we think that he had the specifics, all of the checklists. You pack this, you do this, you participate in these things, and it's all going to go perfectly. And we try to do that in our own lives, don't we? We try to do the exact same thing. It says he went out not knowing where he was going. I think this reveals to us a little something about God's will and it gives us an observation we need to reflect because sometimes when you and I are trying to discern God's will, we take a look at a generality that might be given in scripture and we drill down to some specifics that we think this is exactly what it is God needs to do in my life and we try to find some way to tie those two together and say, if I get X, then this decision was God's will. We had uh, some of the kids on the way in play this game. Maybe you've heard of it. If you're a Price is White, Right uh, aficionado, let me pull this chair over here where you can see it. It's Plinko. This is what some of us believe the will of God is like. 
We spent some time up here at the top and we're trying to figure out down here at the bottom, there's, uh, you can get some stickers. There's a little candy. Some of the, the kids got slap hands. By the way, that's the invisible hand, right? You do those little slap hands and you can steal from your neighbor. Nobody knows where it went. And there's one gold coin in here. It was amazing to watch how many kids won the gold coin. I think Justin was just trying to be generous. So there's a little gold coin that's down here. We think finding God's will, we're hoping for a certain outcome, but we're like, oh man, it's really dependent on us to get a bunch of things right. And then we begin to drop it. Oh, that's my life. (laughs) And it stalls out or it ends up, we think we're gonna drop right there on the gold, but we end up with a sticker. Yes, that is uh, also ran. That's what we call that, right? Fourth place, fifth place, participation sticker, whatever that would be. Can I tell you something? That's not how God's will is described in scripture. Do you know that you are in the hands of a loving God who knows exactly where your life is supposed to be, what role it's supposed to play, and how it will impact the kingdom of God? And he wants his glory, so he's going to do amazing things in your life in a way that will bring him glory. It's not about bringing you glory. It's not about you being the brightest pixel on the TV. If all of these pixels just went off on their own, there would be nothing distinctive on display. I watched this guy, um, you can look him up. His name is Lior Suchard. He's crazy. Uh, He's from Israel and he's a mentalist. And he will tell you, I don't do anything that is, um, he said, it's not magic. There's nothing real uh, about what I do. He says, it's just a scientific project every single time. But he comes into a room and he can tell what people are thinking. And he just randomly grabs different audience members. And so on the way in on this one show, He handed out 170 cards. They had something in them, 170 cards. And uh, he comes to uh, an individual up on the stage and he just says, have we ever met before? No, absolutely not. And the, the show host that was there introducing him said, have we ever met before? No, you were introduced for the very first time to them right now. He says, I want you to swear to these people. We've never talked about any of these things. He's a fairly excitable dude. And they swear that they've never seen. He says, I want you just to pick a a number, anyone at random, between one and 170. And so the guy picks 118. And he looks at another person. He says, I just want you to pick any color, any color that comes to your mind. I want you to pick a color. And and, uh, the other guy that's up on the stage says blue. And so they took a look at card number 118. He says, open that up. They open it up. And he says, inside there, there's a little, one of those sticks that you can snap and he snaps it, and, and it, he shakes it, and it turns blue. And he says, blue, 118. Now he says, I know you're all skeptics. You're all skeptics. He says, so this is what I want you to do. Everybody else in the audience, I want you to open your card. They all open their cards. Every single other card in the entire audience had green. There was one blue stick in all of those little shaky sticks that they do. I can't remember the name. You'll help me later. Parents will know those. But those little sticks, the glow sticks that light up, that's what it is. One was blue, all the rest were green. And the question you have in your mind is, how did he do it? You wanna know a greater question? How is it possible that God knows what every single one of us needs specifically? How can he answer our prayers and move in our life and do just exactly what it is that we need in order to be at his very best? to yield to him the way that we're supposed to yield, to follow him the way that we're supposed to follow. He pulls 
us forward uniquely in a way that will bring him glory but bless the people that are around. That's how God works. His ways are mysterious. Now, as far as knowing his will, there are many passages. Just look it up. It says, this is God's will for you. We tend to say, I don't know what God's will is when we read what God's will is and we're like, well, I don't really like that. I think I might need to pray a little more. God's will is not a mystery. His ways are. But second point, God not only calls you, he keeps you on course. It's not just that he has a plan for you. Uh, It's not just that he is creative in how he gets that accomplished. He calls you, and when he calls you, he will get you where you are supposed to go. Do you believe that? Without help, we cannot walk in a straight line. There was actually a study done by this. Uh, There's a book by Chris McManus, Right Hand, Left Hand, The Origins of Asymmetry in Brains, Bodies, Atoms, and Cultures. Intriguing book. But in there, he cites a study where he takes the most uh, directionally challenged people and puts a blindfold on them and has them walk and try to keep a straight line. And they instantly begin to walk in circles, tighter and tighter circles until uh, they just run into a wall or something. And then he takes people that would say, everyone around them would say, man, they just always know exactly where they're headed. They have an amazing sense of balance, a sense of direction, and he blindfolds those individuals. And you want to know what the result was? They walked in circles, tighter and tighter circles until they ran into a wall or something that was just randomly out there. They take folks, and even with blinders on, you will begin to go the wrong direction. If you can't see the horizon in certain areas, even if you can see different trees, you can get lost in the woods, even if you think you understand your surroundings. We, by nature, go the wrong direction. And what's amazing is, humans are the only creature on the planet that when you put smoke in their eyes or blindfold them, they run faster. We make a mess out of our lives, and when it seems like it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it, we make quicker decisions and faster. We go the wrong direction. That's our nature. We walk in circles. Do you want to know what the antidote to that was every single time? If you're blindfolded, you listen to somebody who says, hey, I can guide you, and you grab on to somebody who can see. The only one. Other people can't see. Other people can help you say, hey, grab on to, I'm holding on to somebody who can see. You gotta hang on to somebody who is outside of the mess. The only one who is, is God. There was a TED talk that um, Shankar Vendantum, I think that's his name, from Hidden Brain, if you've ever uh, listened to that website. Um, he was talking about the fact that you and I are actually built for change. Do you believe that? That your favorite thing is change? Yeah? Just think about that. For those that are watching online, your favorite thing is change. You were built for change. In fact, you can't even imagine how much you love change. Everything in your body will change over the course of the next few years. All of your cells will change. That's why you wash your sheets, okay? (laughs) Everything changes. But the one thing that he highlighted is the future is not just unknown to you, a person who is able to adapt to change, it is unknowable. We're sitting in a room right now where the majority of the people here grew up and when they were born, the older ones that even have kids, you grew up in a time at the beginning of life where there was no such thing as a cell phone or an iPhone. 
Yeah, amen. We get amen. <laughs> no such thing as online. There wasn't Facebook. There wasn't any of the, the socials that you could go to. We grew up basically then without direction, right? Uh, how did our parents know where we were? They couldn't follow us on the phone and find out uh, where are they at. They couldn't uh, air tag us. We grew up, but here's the thing. If you go back 15 years, I just want you in your own life right now, if you have had 15 years of life, go back 15 years and consider the person that you were 15 or 20 years ago and tell them what you would be experiencing right now. What your job would be like, your marriage, your life, your interests, the things that you are focused on. How many of you have dramatically changed? How many of you right now are participating in something or you are doing some things that weren't even in existence 20 years ago? You're part of a job that you said, no, there's no way I'd be doing that. Your future was unknowable. Now you might have said, I wanna have a plan for my life, but you'd start praying and enacting things that might not even exist anymore. You'd be trying to force a subject that is unreal. Only God knows what the future is and what it is that you should be doing in it. The one that you should cling to is the Lord, not you. Amen? Those things that we can't know will impact us. They will be available to our life. They will influence our decisions. God, the unchanging one, already knows what the future holds and who it is that you should be in order to survive in that season. He'll keep you on course. Now, one of the things that we see in Abraham's life, and I'll just encourage you to read this on your own. Abraham made a lot of decisions, and uh, for this morning, this is where we're gonna have to wrap up. Abraham made a lot of decisions, and some of those decisions were good. It was good for him to take along a family member, but it was an incomplete following of God's will. He was trying to do something good. He was trying to do something that felt natural, but it actually got in the way of God's best and God took care of that situation. A couple of times, God directly told Abraham, this is what I want you to do. And Abraham says, man, that sounds amazing. And he runs right out of the tent flap and goes and messes it up. This is where I want you to go, awesome. I'm gonna run down to Egypt. I want you to go this direction. Don't be afraid of anybody. Oh no, here's Phil Cole, the commander. Look that story up. Here's an Egyptian king. And I want the women in your life to come live with me. Abraham didn't know what to do. How do you fix that situation? Well, God did what Abraham couldn't. Every single time it looked like Abraham had turned off the path and made a mess of his life, God steps back in and gets him back to the place that he's supposed to be. Once again, not because Abraham is great, but because God is. Here's the thing I would have us wrap our minds around this first week that we're together. You and I are here in a season of change. Our church is facing a season of change. Our intention is that when we're able to go back uh, to the church that we're making room for more folks, uh, that we continue to be a church that is focused on sharing the gospel. But can I tell you something? 75 years ago, if you were to tell Salem Heights that got planted back then, what they would be experiencing right now, they would say, there's no way. In fact, if we told 75 years ago, Salem Heights, that we'd have drums on the stage, <laughs> they just said anathema, okay? No, you don't want to do that. Somebody might raise their hands. Praise God. We are not where we were 75 years ago, but do you know that God is still the one guiding and directing? 
So what we're asking God to do is not just make our plans secure. We're asking him to work in our lives so we're the kind of people that yield to him no matter what his plan is. Some things will change. Some things will not be the way that we have wanted. But if we are yielding to the living God, he's going to guide us where we're supposed to be. Amen? And we'll rejoice when we get there. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to celebrate in this place, in this season, to talk about uh, Abraham, where your unseen hand in his life not only was transformative, it has taught us. Generations have looked at the life of Abraham and they've been in awe of how you moved in his life to do supernatural things and bring him to the right place at just the right time. Father, we're asking that in our life as well, you would help us to yield, that you would take over for our missteps in the areas where we have had a plan and it's the wrong plan, correct our thinking. Or where we have the right idea, it's just not the right timing, help us to be patient. Father, whatever it is that we're supposed to be out about, I pray that you would cause us to yield to your unseen hand. Give us grace to do it, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.